You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hey. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. You know, that surprises me, Mickey. You know why? When I was wondering what weird visual gimmick you would come up with, I thought it was going to be related to having a fly on a person's head. But no, that looks like a picture of what? A coyote? A wolf? What is that? A coyote. We have two coyotes on our block Mm -hmm. in Beverly Hills. That's that's really exciting news. It's a potential movie idea, Beverly Hills Coyote. Yeah. Um, You're, you were the, born to the business. It just seems like an alarming degradation of civilization when we're told to be careful going outside in Beverly Hills because we might be eaten by a coyote. Coyote. There are two of them, Bob. If if I if I do not return from a trip. Please honor my dying wish and not let Isaac Chotner choose my replacement. I. <clears throat> that's a good. That's a or, good. Yeah. Should go we ahead. explain that? The fact that Isaac people, Chotner, the, who who is the Mike Wallace of the New Yorker, for people old enough to understand what that means, is not a fan of yours. No, he hates me. I wouldn't go that far. Isaac's not a hater. I would. Um. He. Um. Yeah. Uh. Anyway. Uh, was, I should have said. He was the first employee ever of Blogging Heads TV, yeah. by the way. And also, also, don't let Arya choose my replacement. Arya likes you, kind of. He, doesn't he? he does. You know, he likes me, but he disagrees with me. Uh, I wouldn't be quite so certain of that, Mickey. But anyway. <laughs> okay. um, anyway. So, uh, what do you think about this uh, zany uh, presidential situation? Here's my question. Here's my question. And maybe I should begin this with a little personal story. So about about 10 years ago, I had a back injury and they gave me a steroid very much like the one they gave Trump. This was called prednisone. And it made me, and this is for real, it really did. First of all, I felt great. I was transformed. Uh, I could get out of bed, which I hadn't been able to do. Uh, It made me more assertive, more egotistical, and more belligerent. In other words, right. it made me more like Donald Trump. Now, imagine if you're already Donald Trump <laughs> right. and you take a steroid that has those properties. My question to you is, are there things that Trump has done this week that we can attribute to the steroids? Like, for example, saying, I'm cutting off negotiations on the stimulus package no, that every American that wants. that is just Trump's standard negotiating tactic. Right, but it's a little he, – he, but, but it's more ill-advised than usual, right? Well, very often, I mean, basically my, my perception is Trump's going to lose and he's, at the moment he's on track to dragging the Senate down with him, which is very alarming to me. And what's worse, he doesn't seem to have a plan. Uh, and he's ignoring the populism that got him the job in the first place. Uh, and he seems to have screwed up the COVID stimulus, which was any idiot would say if you're running for re-election, you want to distribute cash to people so they feel good when they go to the polls. Well, and, and it's really desperately but, needed by a growing number of people. I right, and it's desperately needed by a growing number of people, and it's, it, it, you know, and and the economy's in danger of going down the tubes both before and after the election. So he, it's his standard negotiating tactic, and there there is often, even though there appears to be no plan, there often is some sort of plan 
behind what he does that you don't hear until later. And with the method in this particular madness is that the Democrats had a bill that it had a high price tag. It had this aid for state and local governments, which Republicans didn't like. And, you know, to bail out bloated unionized state bureaucracies in their mind. And it also had a couple of other provisions that were like poison pills. It had an amnesty for essential workers. So there was an immigration bit and it had an election, uh, election reform bit, which uh, would have opened the nation, I believe, to ballot harvesting. Now, some parts of that may have dropped out. Some were still there. But if he says, I'm walking out, and then he comes back and says, okay, we have to start from zero, he starts without that be- without that garbage in the bill. So he-, he can just build it up again anew without all the crap that Pelosi had put into it. Boy. Now, it's Go ahead. I just am not sure that was worth having that headline out there for 12 hours or whatever it is before he started kind of half walking it back. Um, Right at this point, a headline that says Trump kills stimulus package, basically, that's just that's just nuts. He could have just said, look, good news. Here's the stimulus package. I'm ready to sign. It doesn't have amnesty. It doesn't have this. It doesn't have that. He's already done that. Do it again. Now, the the, the basic, uh, my perception of the basic dynamic here is Pelosi doesn't want to give him a bill. Why would she want to give him a bill? It'll help him get reelected. You know, there's, you know, there's. Might help hurt, might might help a lot of Democrats in Congress get reelected. But there's some Democrats, but they they mainly want to be seen as voting for something, not necessarily, then they can blame Mm -hmm. Trump. Uh, But so, so Pelosi's late, Pelosi's string him along. It's much too late. He should have started this months ago, and he should have gotten his own caucus in line, who are the people that tor- – the Republican caucus and the senator, the people who torpedoed it, uh, you know, months ago, according to all the reporters. Mm-hmm. And so he needed to read them the riot act and say, look, we want to get reelected. You know, we have to have a stimulus. Now, there, there's some of them in states where they're worried that the – Republican base will not show up if they they are seen to have voted for a bloated government bailout. So that let them vote against it, right? But there'll be a majority for it. Okay, so here's the second candidate for this is the steroids talking. When the debate commission says, okay, we've decided there needs to be a, a virtual debate, and he right out of the box says, well, then I'm not going to debate. And Biden exploits the opportunity to uh, say, well, okay, then we're scheduling something else, which I guess may mean that Biden has managed to skip one of the two remaining debates, which is probably smart politics, given that he's the one well ahead in the polls. And, uh, you know, the less turbulence, the better, right? Was it wasn't that a mistake? That's sure the, the way it looks. And, you know, probably Trump, if you were Trump, you would rather have uh the second debate go on even with the restriction mm-hmm. of it being virtual, A, because Biden could still have a senior moment. He's actually more likely to have a senior moment if he's locked in a room with a computer than if he's in a room with people who he, who, who he's treating off and responding to. So the, the key is not what Trump says, it's what Biden, whether Biden screws up or not. And second, the virtual part will, will tame Trump's this is this is a thought that Jonah Goldberg had immediately, and I'm stealing it, but it's true. Uh, 
you know, it restrains him. He can't be as crazy as he was in the last debate because he's virtual and they'll just cut him off and mm-hmm. he can't physically try to intimidate. So well, if you looked, if you read the transcript of the last debate, everything Trump said made sense. He was thinking at full volume, but he was just so obnoxious about it that nobody listened to what he was saying. If he's forced to be civil, as he was a couple of times the last debate, he makes a perfectly credible case. Uh, no, he, so he... he, he Yes, it was stupid, but it's possible he'll be able to crawl back, uh, you know, into into the position uh, you suggest. But you know, why would Biden give him a second debate if he if he has him on the ropes now? No, he he was actually pretty sharp, if if obnoxious in the first debate, which is why last week I speculated that he was on some kind of drug. I guess. I guess he couldn't have been on the on the steroids at that point. Yeah, but no. do you do you agree that basically I mean this is speculative, but he he's using the steroids as a performance enhancing drug. In other words, I kind of doubt based on what I've read that the doctor said, uh look what you need at this point in your illness is is dexamethasone if that's what it's called because it's usually reserved for a later time when, uh, you know, people have the problem is the hyperactive immune system because this drug suppresses the immune system. As a rule, you don't want the immune system suppressed early stage. Although, granted, this is this drug is apparently indicated uh, for oxygen problems of the kind Trump had. But I think doctors are probably avoiding it because in early stage COVID, you don't want to mess uh, with dampening the immune system. I mean, of course, in Trump's case, he had the, the drug, the experimental drug that that gives you a you know an artificial kind of immune system boost the the monoclonal antibodies. It, it, I, when, when, at first, I thought your 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 theory was crazy that he didn't need the steroids and he's just taking them because he wants them. And then I thought it made sense, but why have no doctors echoed it? I mean, we have every doctor in America, including the New England Journal of Medicine, conspiring to get rid of Trump. Why haven't some stepped forward and said, you know, he didn't need the steroids; he just likes the steroids. Well, they're not in the habit of political speculation, but, <laughs> but the point, well, a lot of them aren't. A lot of them aren't, but, but. Enough of them are. Well, I'm not saying they're not politically motivated. And they certainly do medical speculation. That's what they do all day. Right. But I, and I'm not saying they're not politically motivated and I'm not saying there's not politically motivated medical speculation. I, I'm saying that, um, they're not in the, in the, just in, in the habit of doing the political stuff, but, but the point they're making, raises the question, well, then why is he on the steroids? They're saying basically no doctor uh, would would prescribe them. Well, then why are they being prescribed? The obvious... Wait, are you, are you, say, are you saying that there are doctors saying why he why why is he on the steroids? I haven't seen it. Totally. Okay. They're totally doctors. Well, what are you saying the doctors are saying? They're, they're, I'm the saying doctors- the doctors are silent. The silence of the doctors suggests that... Oh, no, you're, I, steroids- oh, I've, definitely heard, I've definitely heard doctors saying... S- the steroids don't make sense. They could even do some harm. Um, huh. Well, well, oh, oh, in a way, a lot of the speculation took the form of he must be sicker than we know because based on what we know, you wouldn't give this to him at this stage in the illness. Right, there's been right, some right. of that. But there's, the question has definitely been raised. And I really think they were just listing various drugs, you know, the doctors were, that he could have. And he said, steroids, does that give you more energy? And they're like, yeah. And he says, sign me up. Because he was feeling under the weather at that point. And you saw what he did right away. He went out and started, you know, what? holding one-man parades and stuff. What about the what about the um, 
What about the lung problem? We'll get to the one-man parades. What, what, uh, is I don't it possible know. This, he is was possible? caught clearing his throat on a Fox interview within, in recent days. Is it possible know. that the steroids are indicated for a lung problem, though? I haven't heard that. They're in, they, no. they are, again, they are indicated, uh, for oxygen problems. It's just that in, uh, with COVID, I think doctors avoid them because they also dampen the immune system. But, yeah. um, uh, they, they avoid them until late uh, stage. That's an interesting theory. The, um, uh, you know, your, it, your theory fits, but also they're all, these are also belligerent acts that he, Donald Trump would have done. When he was just Donald Trump. Well, that's what's tricky. Uh, is, it, is, it, is it turned up to 11 or is this just 10? But, uh, the, um, the, the, the one man parade, the Mussolini balcony scene, uh, your, your word, not mine. Uh, no, and, was, I, and I thought that was overreaction, and, honestly. And Applebaum wrote a ridiculous piece about how Mussolini understands that the public's like over displays of overwhelming force. Well, this wasn't an overwhelming force. This was just at Trump ad libbing some sort of, you know, Reagan did that all the time. It just Reagan did it better. You turn to the helicopter, salute, and you go back into the building, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. Reagan was always saluting and Bush salutes when the, there's a lot of saluting that goes around on, uh, going on, goes on around the helicopter for some reason. I guess they're saluting the Marines or something. Well, this was uh, a little more. But this is more stagey and yeah, but it was a combination of like a balcony scene of which there are innumerable if you, if you Google the images. Yeah. Romeo and Juliet, for example. Including, yes, including, um, including one where, where Roosevelt, FDR is on the balcony pulling himself up on the rail in a fake, in a fake show of strength to imply that he could stand up, which he, he had polio. He was, he was actually in a wheelchair. So he's, he's faking strength in, a, in the same sort of way, just in a much more effective way than Trump is faking strength. Uh, so there's an old American tradition of faking strength from the balcony. It just Trump does it in this cheesy way. It was exactly like him going to that church and waving the Bible around. He hadn't really thought it through. I was trying to promote this as dime store deverism. That doesn't really quite that phrase doesn't really quite make it, does it? Well, you always get points for alliteration. I'm not sure where the other That's, points would come for, from in this case. <laughs> Deverism. Reagan, Reagan's guy, Michael Dever, used to I stage know. these scenes. Yeah. And they were actually really well done in retrospect compared, compared with, uh, compared with the way Trump does it. You know, Trump is just him, him trying to figure it out on its own or something. So do you have the sense that the wheels are coming off the campaign? I mean, the num- just to recap some numbers, like since, since the first pres- the presidential debate on the, which I think was on the 29th, the real clear pre- uh, politics presidential, the national presidential poll average has gone from Biden up by 6.6 to Biden up by 9.3 as of this morning. Battleground states have gone from a gap of 3.5 to 4.5. Betting odds have gone from fifty-five forty-five to sixty-five thirty-five. Well, he's he's definitely gone downhill, but it's, that's not the wheels coming off. And, and 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 there are three and a half weeks to go. This is the stage. This is the stage at in the last campaign when the Hollywood Access tape, Access Hollywood tape dropped, and everybody said he was through, except for a few perceptive people. Would that include uh, you? Uh, that would include me. Uh, 
And, um, you know, Jim Fallis was saying, oh, it's over, it's over, it's over. You can't really believe that it's not over, Mickey, can you? Um, so, yes. Um, so he has time. It just, he doesn't appear to have a plan. I mean, he's, his, his plan is this crazy, what to my mind is this crazy Jared plan of, we won't mention any of the populism issues that got us here. We won't mention, uh, immigration hardly at all. We barely mention trade, which is, you know, a huge issue in the heartland. You should say, you know, finally Pence brought it up about surrendering an economic war to, about, to China. Uh, and, uh, instead, instead we'll, we'll try to cut off a sliver of Latinos and appease the suburbs and we'll lose, we'll lose a chunk of the white voters. That makes no sense at all. This is the Ryan Jurdusky argument. Uh, there are things he could say that would appeal to white voters and to suburbanites, or at least wouldn't piss off the suburbanites and would certainly appeal to Latinos. There, there was that, uh, poll that showed that uh, Latinos respond to certain anti-immigration messages, as do blacks, as do whites, all in the same percentage, like three quarters to one quarter. So, um, uh, he, he's sort of persisting in, in this sort of way, I guess, with, with this dumb Jared strategy. And it's gonna, I think, I, I, I it seems like a loser to me. So, we can write the headline, Mickey Kaus advocates more discussion of immigration. Right? You, you, the, the, you, the, a real, a real man bites dog headline. Yeah, I sense a dearth of discussion, Bob, and, you know, on that topic. It's often overlooked. So. I don't bring uh, it enough. I don't bring it up enough I on was this gonna, podcast. I was going to encourage you to speak more about immigration and speak freely, Mickey. Speak, you know, um, when it comes from the heart, it, you know. So he, and he, and he's also, you know, I, I, I don't think he screwed up the COVID as much as other people do, but he, he definitely screwed up the messaging on the COVID and he sort of probably screwed up his handling of it. And, and he's also screwed up the COVID relief. So that's strike three, Bob. So here's my uh, piece of evidence that, that seems to me may indicate that there is a perception among elites, Republican elites that the wheels are coming off. Mitch McConnell said something. Um, nastier than I've heard him say. Now, I didn't hear the context. I can imagine questions that could have led him to say this that would take a little of the sting out of it. But he basically said, look, I've been avoiding the White House for months because I don't think their COVID protocols are, are strong enough. Now, that's a pretty damning thing to say to, about Trump at this point. Uh, in the, in the campaign when that is exactly the Democrats people, accusation. I didn't, people interpreted that as a signal to Senate Republicans that they should be able to distance themselves from Trump. Uh, so maybe you're right. I didn't, I didn't see it that way. I thought he was probably just telling the truth. Uh, but. Oh, uh, yeah. As, as McConnell always McConnell does. McConnell always right? does. Yeah. The, but I mean, his, the, the key, um, the key thing that was shocking to me was that Kansas is now in play, which was supposed to be a firmly Republican state, and there was just a poll showing the Democrat was ahead. Mm. And if you remember, this was a case where people on my side ran Chris Kobach in the primary, and he lost to a, a more standard Republican who Mitch McConnell supported with millions of dollars in last-minute advertising, and that guy is now falling short. So um, uh, that's deeply troubling. On the other hand... 
I mean, Bob, I mean I, there's there's Carolina where the Democrats have a problem in the Senate. I just want to I just want to bring up immigration one more time, Bob, and break your heart. No such thing as too much of that subject. Go. Did you you got that reference? I'm not sure I did. No. You haven't seen the t- the text that Cunningham's lover sent him. The, you know, the, uh, I have I have. That's what I was just alluding to, but. I have paid no att- I have not read a single text, uncharacteristically, because I, I do have the ordinary, the normal human weaknesses, the, but I just the, haven't had time. The, okay. Cunningham, who gives off every indication of being a player, not just having a one-time affair with a strategist, apparently had a, an, an, an affair with a Republican, married Republican strategist. They're both married. Cunningham is the Democratic candidate who was leading Senator Tom Tillis, the one establishment pathetic Republican candidate. Um, and, uh, these, these texts came to light. Now they weren't exactly sexts. They didn't have like, like, you know, they weren't Anthony Weiner. Yeah. Yeah. But they did have this one phrase, Bob, which, uh, the woman said, which is, I just like to fuck him one more time and break his heart. And that's a memorable phrase, Bob. Great opportunity to mention the parrot room, Mickey. Um, Because I'll tell you, if you thought that was edgy, you should hear the parrot room itself. Um, I thought it's important that we not have the parrot room be Wait, wait, who did she say that to? She sent it to the, to uh, the, the Republican candidate when she was, when he dumped her after, after sleeping with her. So. she seemed clearly hotter to trot in this affair than he did. She would say, you know, I want to kiss you all, I want to kiss you all over. And he'd say, yeah, that was, that'd be nice. (laughs) Okay. So, um, but, uh, but he, he obviously, you know, it's not what you want to have happen two weeks before the election. I I would think he would be toast. No, you. I would think he would be toast too, but I haven't seen a toast poll. I, I know. Apparently, there's a non-toast poll that that my wife mentioned. Um, so I don't know. Uh, Tillis you, is just totally pathetic. But go ahead. Plus, he has COVID. Plus, he, he has tested COVID. positive. So, um, speaking of Anthony Weiner, this this Steve Scully guy. What does it say about me? I had never heard of Steve Scully. He's the moderator, the the would be moderator of the would be next debate, right? Of of Schrodinger's second debate. Uh, it um, and he DM he d he, no well, he te- he added um Scaramucci on Twitter. He just asked a question on Twitter that looked as if he meant it to be a DM, which is, of yeah. course, what got Anthony Weiner into trouble. Right. But that right. aside... Should I res- and then he claimed he was hacked, which is Anthony Weiner's excuse. And I assume anytime somebody claims they're hacked, they're lying and they're through. Well, they, can, they, they should Joy, be able to prove it. Joy Reid claimed she was hacked and she survived, but we know why that was. Uh, so it, uh, it, it... You know, Scully... Um, I don't see how, you know, it seems to me he should be toast, too. Who is he? Who is he? I don't know him. I I know of Vin Scully, but I don't think he's alive anymore. He was a fine journalist. He's alive! Vin Scully's alive? Have we had this conversation? Vin Scully's alive! What are you talking about? (laughs) Vin Scully lives. He must be like 100. If Vin Scully had died, Los Angeles would have been in mourning for a month. How old is he? Yeah, I think he's in his 80s, maybe 90s. I don't know. He's really old. 
Spring chicken. But, um, um, can, so what, okay, so what about the vice presidential debate? Let's finally get, uh, get to that fly on the head. I, um, I really dislike Kamala Harris. I think she's, I know, a, a poor leader, and I just think her affect is, you know, she, when she's just making a legal case, okay, uh, and being serious, she's very effective. Okay, she's not stupid, and she's a lawyer, and she—that's fine. But she, she, her normal default affect is this sort of floppy valley girl who's giggling and nodding her head up and down, especially when she wants to be serious. Is that what floppy and means? Because you used that in a tweet. I was going to ask you about. That's, that's what I meant. Floppy she, means head bobbing up and down. Yes. Yes. Okay. And um, and 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 she did a lot of that. But she wasn't as bad as she could have been or as bad as usual. Uh, and she had some strong arguments in her favor, like COVID. Uh, and people were seeing her for the first time. So maybe her first impression was, you know, better than expected since they knew nothing about her at all. Uh, so I, I, I counted it as a sort of a draw. Which but, is a, which is victory for the Biden camp. Which is victory, especially since, you know, I think, over time, the public will grow to hate Kamala Harris, but at the moment they didn't. Um, the um, well, I thought she was uh, she avoided the pitfalls you would have most worried about. Some of which I would have worried about. Um, she was she was pretty restrained. She did she didn't appear, and maybe this happened to a fault, but she did not cater. She didn't pander to the progressive base. Um, she, well, no, I, I, I think both she and Biden may have alienated some on, on the left so much have they not pandered to the left. Um, she was, you know, I, I thought all the, well, the references, the differential references to Biden were good. I thought, um, I don't like it when she does this, how dare you criticize the likes of me thing, you know, like because she was attorney general of California, like I will not have you whatever she wouldn't have him do. But I thought by and large, uh, she, um, did the job, which is to, um, make the debate not a net positive for Trump. And the polls showed 538 did a thing where they actually interviewed the exact same people, uh, before and after the debate. And I think it was a fair number of people. And there was just basically no change in who's voting for who. And that's, that, um, that, that was my guess. I'm in my bubble and everybody thought Pence had won soundly and that that's why the networks were deploying the mansplaining car explanation, uh, which is sort of an interesting explanation. I did not think Pence was mansplaining, uh, or even over aggressive except in one instance where he overpressed on his court packing point. But but basically it was a just standard debate where they, they each go at each other and and that's the way it is and she held her own and what's this mansplaining mm-hmm. stuff. But in my experience, and there was a particular debate I was at in that I participated in in Las Vegas where it was like me and Walter Kern ganging up on Virginia Heffernan. And Virginia totally held her own, okay? It was like a draw, two against one, and she fought us off to a draw. And um and so I thought, hey, great debate, you know, <laughs> and and all the women thought it was incredibly over the top, mean, aggressive. The men were beating up on this poor woman. 
I didn't know what they were talking about. And these are all people I respected. Well, so in a way, he there was is more... A, there is a differential perspective among the sexes. Well, in a way, sexes. Pence was more disrespectful to Susan Page than to Kamala Harris. He didn't do that much interrupting of of Harris. The And people, you know, progressives... I mean, first of all, I'd say... To me, a warning. I was worried that maybe the debate had worked for Pence because the pro Biden media like CNN, MSNBC. Well, I was watching CNN, but they were very kind of defensive. And you're right. They were complaining about mansplaining and, and things that Harris should have done better. And and so I was kind of worried that it had been a smashing um, success for uh, for Pence. But, but they, um, they were doing that after the Bi- Biden Trump debate too. They were all explaining away Joe Biden's poor performance when they didn't have to, but they were they were like paranoid that Biden had seemed weak. Uh, Andrea Mitchell on NBC, especially, it was yeah. bizarre. But go ahead. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought it was pretty clear. It was clear to me that that Trump had blundered in the first than it than it was to me that uh, Pence hadn't won because I thought he was. He's good. I've always thought he was good. The guy was a talk radio host. He He's pretty good. I think sometimes he emotes a little too much for my taste, and so does Harris. And both of them did a little of that. But I think he's pretty damn solid and agile. I didn't think she was super agile, but I kind of think she went in planning not to improvise. I mean, she had her... Her, the thing she was going to say. I think, uh, you know, people complained on Twitter about Susan Page not, like, laying down the law with Pence, but the the huge service she did to Biden, I thought, was that first question where she said, and she said it twice, why does the U.S., even as a percentage of population, have such a higher death rate from this disease than other affluent nations? I mean, that that was like, uh, that was like, talking point central of course it's not it's it's a it's not the worst of the world i looked at the stats last night it's you know we're we're better than belgium we're better than spain uh we're about the same as sweden sweden's actually doing a little better than us now uh in deaths per per hundred thousand but um uh you know it's not it's not like we're doing worse than the rest of the world and also do you trust well, we the statistics? I don't trust. I mean, the those dis- are those are little countries in a big I don't continent. Trust the, We're doing I don't way trust worse than Europe as a whole. Europe right now is has just passed the United States in cases, new cases per capita, or new cases. Sorry, well, cases, cases are cases, but so, deaths deaths are the bottom line, and we are much worse than them per capita, much worse than Europe as a whole, or Western Europe as a well, whole. Well, if you're, you're counting, you're, if you count Germany, sure, they're. Well, whereas if I don't well. count the, any of the countries that have done way better than us, then you're right. We don't look so bad. I should have thought of that statistic. No, but, wait, but there, there are countries like Italy and Spain where it hit hard and, uh, you know, that did worse. Which you would like to emphasize. I say, how about we average them all and compare and we come out much, much worse. Um, so uh, on the court packing thing, I don't get – there's a couple of things I don't get about Biden and Harris's messaging. One is why – they don't, on the Supreme Court issue, say, hey, wait a second, four years ago, the Republicans said this, now they're saying this. Harris didn't do it either. They both act as if the Constitution compels us not to confirm uh, Trump's Trump's choice. But but the other thing is the, is the court packing issue. Like, Biden says, I've got a quote here, as soon as the election is over, you'll know my opinion on court packing. So, like, he's concealing something from us 
that that voters presume you would think should should be allowed to know before they decide whether to I, vote for him? Why is he putting a couple it like points. that? I don't understand why he's putting it like that. Why, why, you know, why can't he just say it depends what they do with Amy Coney Barrett and how horrible they are. And, uh, and, um, you know, then I, and everything's on the table if they, right. you know, if they, uh, and, and that's what Schumer said. And why can't he say that? Why is that? Why is that worse for him than, than this ridiculous thing of saying, I'm not going to tell you because it might hurt me? Right. Uh, which is honest, I guess, in in the in the meta sense of, you know, always go meta if you're in trouble. Uh, but uh, it, yeah, there's, there no. must be a reason why politicians don't normally I, say that. I, well, wh- I just don't get it. I, I wonder about the quality of advice Biden is getting. Sometimes the the uh, I mean, it seems to me, yeah, the obvious thing or or one version of of what you're saying is just like. Um, you know, I mean, like Pence said, there's a secret plan to do this and that. And, and that was actually a, a, a point where I thought Harris had an opportunity to make him look kind of silly, like, say, you know, allude to the conspiracy theory thinking in the Trump administration and say, listen, if there are secret meetings being held, I'm not. What, at was, this, what was the secret plan to pack there's the a court? secret plan to pack the court that they're not telling you? And I thought that could have been cast in a way that you could ridicule it. And, say- and any- yeah. No, go ahead. Well, I just think the thing to say is, look, what there is, is what there has been for many years. There's a public discussion about whether to increase the size of the Supreme Court. That's the other thing. They shouldn't use the term packing the court. They shouldn't say, yes, we may, quote, pack the court. That's that's a bad term. Well, I, di- I did. I didn't your, understand your your first objection to them saying that not saying that there's a con- them pl- blaming the Constitution. Do they blame the Constitution? The Constitution clearly gives the Senate the right to confirm this appointee. Exactly. They, but do they claim otherwise? I don't think they, they claim They act otherwise. as if it's just uh, <clears throat> inherently the wrong thing to do to uh, nominate a Supreme Court justice and confirm her this late in the el- election, whereas I still think that to the average person out there, uh, a, a more compelling and kind of visceral way to put it is, look, this is flat-out hypocrisy. They did this four years ago, and they promised us this, and blah, blah, blah. And I know there's this nuance about how McConnell later said, well, when there's two – if it's, you know, divided government, it's blah, blah, blah. But that – you don't – that that doesn't – that you, you don't need to get into that. I, that. That's the point on that. It's 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 a separate, you know, issue from the court packing, and I've said it before – but on the court backing, just say like Biden should just say, look, there is a public, there's no secret plan. There's a public discussion. There are pros and cons to doing it. You can consult my record to see that in the past I have noted some of the cons myself. But the discussion goes on. We'll see what the context is after I'm president. Uh, but, you know, it, it's just the easiest thing in the world for Biden to say, I'm not going to tell you whether I'm going to pack yeah. the court until after the election, which is literally what he said is like, I, I just don't get it. And that's certainly a topic that Trump can raise, even if he's appearing remotely in a virtual town hall. Um, the, the the annoying thing to me was when 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 Pence gave his, you know, he said, "Well, you know, uh, uh, the, you know, it's been done twenty nine times before, and each time the president has nominated somebody and had them confirmed." And and and, and Harris is ready with this little prepackaged thing. Which is saying, well, thank you for your history lesson, Mr. Pence, but I have a history lesson of my own. Uh, and that's clearly 
intentionally setting up the mansplaining thing. That implies, Bob, that there was a secret plan to bring up mansplaining, as, well, as there is every time a woman debates a man, uh, apparently. Uh, but she was setting it up. It wasn't just like something that spontaneously happened because Pence was overbearing. She tries to say, oh, that's a history lesson. When he just makes he was just pointing out the obvious statistics that anybody would point out. Uh, I'm going to give you the chance to say, for the benefit of all possible commenters, online commenters, that I think you were being ironic when you said there's always a secret plan, a secret mansplaining trap uh, when a woman de- debates a man. Yeah, it's not secret. It's, 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 the, it, the, <laughs> okay. spec- the speculation before every debate is, you know, he's debating a woman, so he has to be careful not to mansplain. Okay, maybe um, you were being as ironic there was, as I thought. Uh, there, um, the only guy I've ever seen get away with it is Arnold Schwarzenegger versus Ariana in the governor's race of California. And Schwarzenegger had, had just filmed a, uh, a, a film where he, he puts the villains who's a woman robot head in a toilet bowl. Mm. And he goes, I have a plot for you in Terminator 5. I have a plot for you in Terminator 5, Ariana. <laughs> like, like, which yeah. is pretty, pretty funny. That was a uh, different era. Uh, no, it's just that it was so funny that he got away with it. The, um, the other line where she, the other thing you might cite is the mansplaining, uh, kind of trap is when she kept saying, I'm speaking. That annoyed some people, probably you, right? Well, it's a it's 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 a very tough thing to do to stop a guy interrupting you. So I don't know what it, what else could she have it said. It worked. It worked. What what else could she have said that was better? So I cut her some slack on that one. So here's your tweet, uh, Mickey. I'd like you to explain this. Okay, this was during the debate. Harris better than she often is. Still too floppy. Uh, and the person who wrote that word in that tweet is, I think, possibly the only person who understood what it meant. But whatever, we were, we, you're working in real time. Harris better than she often is. Still too floppy and phony to me. Fine as a VP. Floppy and phony. We have alliteration too, Bob. Uh, there's so, lots of wonderful things about this tweet. There's all sorts of stuff going on in that tweet. We could spend all day uh, praising this tweet, but that's not my agenda. Okay. Harris better than she often is. Still too floppy and phony to me. Fine as a VP. But do you want her as president? A real possibility. Then in parentheses, Pence is phony too, but in a more familiar way that's easier to process. Mickey, by more familiar way, do you mean in a privileged white male way? As opposed to a woman of color way? Is that what you're saying? That we permit phoniness in our privileged white males, not in our women of color? I'm going to dig myself in deeper. But... um. Pence is what he is. He's he's Ted Baxter. Okay. No, we're he's not. To, we're used to Ted Baxter. Ted we Baxter. can deal with Ted Baxter. He's a pompous conservative who who mouths the pieties, and you can deal with him. Okay. And, and there is it's 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 you could tolerate him as pre- barely tolerate him as president. The same way I thought. And this is where I'm digging myself in deeper. The same way I thought Michelle Obama helped her husband because. She's an angry black woman. We deal with them. We deal with people like that all the time. They're a familiar type and fine. There are friends. There are a lot, you know, there, there, it's not, you don't have to some spend a lot of your best friends are angry black some women. Some of my best friends are angry black women. So you can't, uh, you don't have to expend a lot of energy and you have some perspective. Whereas Kamala is sort of 
this new form of annoyance uh, that uh, that that it's more disconcerting to deal with. That that was the point I was trying to make. I'm going to say something about Kamala, but first I have to say, and this is, of course, only of interest to those who are old enough to remember the Mary Tyler Moore show, but Ted Baxter, the, you know, embarrassingly egotistical anchor man on this local TV show, in many, Minneapolis, I think. Um, uh, that's not Michael Pence. That's as close to Donald Trump as Michael Pence. I mean, it's almost like Donald Trump is a parody of Ted Baxter, but I don't think Ted Baxter is even a parody of, of Mike Pence. Mike Pence is... My, my, uh, Ted Baxter had zero fake humility. And, and that's zero fake, um, devout, kind of, what's the word? Not, not devoutness, but, 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 you know, Pence's whole shtick, I'm this devout, look, and I'm not saying none of it's true, but I, the way, the presentation of self is, I'm this low-key, humble, earnest, sincere, devoutly Christian, Man, that wasn't Ted Baxter at all. Uh, that's a good point, but Trump is much more ironic and self-critical than Ted Baxter. He's often making jokes about himself, and well, he, how- he's he's he, he's he's you know looking at the situation from an outside perspective, and uh, uh, he, yes, he's, and he's no. not at all. He, I I find him very un-Ted Baxterish. Ted Baxter had seemingly zero self-knowledge. That is true. He was unselfconscious. Uh, I think it's controversial how self-conscious and meta Donald Trump is. I think we could, that would be an interesting argument in its own right. But the, um, but I did think, I, I thought basically Kamala Harris came off as more or less presidential enough uh-huh. to put, to put people's minds. I, what, what was the non-presidential part? What she does well is any kind of prepared riff. As long as she doesn't over emote, and usually she doesn't, but she's, she's very, you know, she's very, I mean, theatrical in a good way, um, as, as a president needs to be. And she's, you know, um, again, she didn't demonstrate a huge amount of agility. I think that was almost intentional that she didn't want to do any risky I, improvising. I didn't think she was that bad, but I think she can be, she, her, her, she is quite fake and, in a way that well, would, they will all not, are. They all will are. not sit well if we have if we're stuck with it for three years and ten months. Which brings me, as long as we're moving quickly along, to Nancy Pelosi's twenty fifth amendment uh, venture. I missed it. Yes, well, today they're having, I think, hearings on the twenty fifth amendment, which is the amendment that lets you remove a president who's disabled, mm. even against their will. Uh, and it, it's billed as an anti-Trump move, a bizarre anti-Trump move. This late in the stage, they're really going to try to remove Trump from office, even before you know, if he loses the election, even before uh, you know Biden takes office. Uh, it's insane, and it is sort of insane. They're, they have a they have a legal peg. The Twenty Fifth Amendment says that the cabinet or such body as Congress may designate makes this decision as to whether the president is disabled, okay? Uh, and so Congress, they have been hearing this, they want to create this separate body of doctors or whatever uh, to, uh, to, to rule on whether a president is disabled, pretending it's about Trump. But Scott Adams points out, if you're really paranoid, it's really about Biden. 
This is them putting in a place the mechanism by which they can remove Biden if he goes gaga in his first six months in office. Uh, and it, it, if you if you have this idea of Kamala Harris as all about Eve, Eve Harrington scheming against her boss, this is this totally fits that pattern. This is this is the mechanism by which they're going to make this horrible woman president. Uh, <laughs> um. That's fascinating. I was totally, I missed this story totally, but what a, what a clever ploy. My hat's off to Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. It makes sense anyway. I mean, cause she's just taking up time and they're, they're stalling for time now, right? They, they're ahead, they think. And she, they and Nancy are, was, so. she's probably in the secret woman splaining meetings too, right, Mickey? This is all, this is, I mean, is this a feminist? Would you characterize this as a feminist you, plot to take over you, America, Mickey? You don't, no, you don't need, you don't need any any secret meanings to accuse a man in a debate of mansplaining. It just happens. It's like the obvious objection. And it's, as I've said, it is a very tricky one to navigate for a man because, that, you know, he's up against a totally dif- differential perspective. Men do not think it's mansplaining and women do. And I can't say which which half is right, so you have to be very tricky. Now it's it's you know it it helps balance off the dilemma women have, which is if they seem forceful, they seem bitchy. So uh, maybe one day we'll break our metal blocks on both bitchiness. I happen to like bitchy women and uh, mansplaining, uh, and and we'll tolerate both of them and we'll drop both bullshit charges. Okay, so but back to Nancy Pelosi's plan to build a trapdoor in the Oval Office that she remotely controls with a lever. <laughs> the, the uh, but this doesn't have any chance of passing, does it? I mean, it would have to pass and be signed into law by Trump, no, the, right? No, the, the 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 conspiracy theory is they pass. You know, the cabinet. It's sort of stupid to say that the cabinet decides, right? I mean, who's in the cabinet? Does it include the ambassador to the UN this week or the, yeah, you know, but. So, you know, can he create, can a president create like five new cabinet agencies and, you know, in order to. But wasn't this built partly to take care of cases like when Kennedy has been shot in the head and he's lying in a hospital? Right, right, right. But the cabinet would agree probably. But now, but now they're twisting it to another purpose. Uh, the, the idea is that they create this body and then the newly elected Biden stupidly signs it in law, uh, after it passes the, overwhelmingly Democratic Congress, and then, you know, four months later it comes to Biden, comes back to Biden when this newly created body decides that he's disabled. Mm-hmm. I assume he would have to show some signs of disability first. But, you would hope. But, you know, but the question is how how many signs of disability does he have to show? Well, as bad as the, um, the cabinet idea may be, and I'm not sure it's terrible, because I think the idea is this is for really egregious cases of, of physical uh, infirmity, but also of, you know, of mental infirmity of a certain kind, like, uh, so I don't, I'm not sure it's so bad, but the idea of a non-governmental body, people not elected to office or appointed by one of the, I mean, I guess you would say they'd be appointed by Congress or something. I don't know. It sounds kind of, it sounds kind of weird to me. Um, the, the whole they should be public officials in some sense who make this call. I agree. Um, uh, I probably wouldn't vote for them. But, but anyway, I thought it was an interesting bit of crazy conspiratorial thinking. 
So the the plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, Mickey. Can I just say what my take on this is quickly? Your take is Trump's rhetoric has encouraged this sort of activity. Well, it has, but but the take is more that it was a reminder to me of how Trump says so many outrageous things that they just become background noise. Like I had forgotten that he tweeted "Liberate Michigan," you know, uh, and and uh, not to mention the, un- the 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 you know quite unflattering things he tweeted about uh, the governor herself, but. You know, liberate Michigan. Now, you know damn well, and Trump presumably knows, that he has armed followers in Michigan who will take that literally. He can claim he meant it figuratively or something. But um, it's it, my, my main point is you would never, you know, eight, ten years ago have imagined a president doing anything like that. And he does it, and, and he just does so many things like this, you just forget about it, and then it does come back to bite you. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if these guys were inspired by his attitude toward this government, or her, the well, government. Well, some of them, so it, it, it was very troubling, and they seem to have caught it early, although you, I, I didn't read the, the deep stories state on caught it. it. The deep state caught it. But, but was it, ahead. did they have an informant who was part of the group? That's usually what happens. I don't, I don't know how. Or was it caught by Palantir's data mining, uh, data mining software? That's something um, we should talk about at uh, some point. I don't quite understand it, but yes, we should. Um, but, um, uh, the, um, some of those guys were part of the group that invaded the state house that day. And I think that's what was right around the time that Trump did that liberate Michigan thing. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may be out of something, but, you know, the, the horrible, the horrible example is the El Paso shooting. So much worse than this, I think. Uh, yeah. These were just some kooks. So I, I trust the, you know, when I, when I was, <laughs> when I was in Denver for the convention, mm-hmm. I was staying at like this, this, not not very prestigious hotel, and there was this guy who had a right winger who had said who had come to town to kill Obama, and he was he was like these other guys. He had he had disguised his intentions by declaring, "I am coming to town to kill Obama." <laughs> this clued the police onto him, and he was and he sought refuge in the room below the room that I was staying in. So this guy was like in my hotel. Well, if you uh, want, when the police came for him and he jumped out the window. Um, wait, you were there when he jumped out the window? I think I was asleep when he jumped out the window. And he only broke his, he only broke his, he only broke his leg. But my point is that these, the right wingers of this sort, these idiots are usually so clumsy that they don't pull it off. But the lone gunman can do a lot of damage, uh, you know, w- w- while being, you know, effective at, at, at pursuing their horrible goal. So, uh, this was troubling, but luckily they, they seem to have been moronic enough. I think they were. It's not deeply troubling. Now, speaking of our proximity to horrible events, uh, the El Paso shooting was actually, uh, like half a mile from where I went to, um, I guess third and fourth grade, but, and, and less than a mile from our house in El Paso, but 
Uh, I have to say, you win the proximity sweepstakes because I was, I was, uh, I am separated in time by decades from that and, uh, was not in the room above where it happened. So, so, uh, congratulations on that. Uh, are there other, yeah. I mean, it's ironic that Trump's whole COVID mask thing, I know they're responsible people I respect who think, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's terrible that we have all these restrictions and we should be more like Sweden and the masks aren't proven. And, um, but Jamel Bowie, is that how you pronounce his name? I think so. Makes a very good point in, in ter- just in terms of crass politics. Politicians given a crisis, that's usually a godsend. You do a mediocre job of taking charge of a crisis, you go up in the polls. You're Andrew Cuomo. You go up in the polls. You're Dukakis in a snowstorm in Boston. You go up in the polls. All you have to do is seem to be in charge and, and do a half-assed job, a reasonable job of, 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 of taking the problem seriously and mobilizing your jurisdiction to fight it. And you do well. Instead, Trump fell for this conspiracy theory promoted most obviously by Rush Limbaugh, which was that the, this is a, all a plot by the Democrats to tank the economy and hurt Trump. So it's highly ironic that Trump's sort of s- potential swan song today was on the Rush Limbaugh show, because Limbaugh's the guy who cost him his presidency by promoting this. I'm sorry. Hmm. Hmm. The, he, he all, you know, Trump, Trump didn't have to be onerous about it. He could have fought on the margins to, 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 you know, free up more of the economy faster, but you know, there was a big, huge middle road that, as Bowie points out, was manna from heaven for it, and he blew it. I think it's safe to say he blew it. Um, and I don't want to dwell too much on Kamala Harris's mis-debate opportunities, but when Pence defended the, uh, you know, the White House um, gathering that apparently was a super spreader event, you know, he, he's like, we held it outdoors as is recommended, blah, blah, blah. And she didn't come back with, wait a second, what Vice President Pence isn't telling you is that there was an indoors reception. And we've seen the pictures. People, no masks, two feet from each other. This is crazy. And, well, the, the, you know, the, 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 but again, I mean, she wasn't Pence, in. Pence, Pence missed the opportunity of saying, Kamala, four months ago, you were calling Joe Biden a racist and a rapist. That was, that seemed like she would be ready well, for that one. And that, that wouldn't have required agility either. I mean, they could have planned that one. I, I will grant, uh, Harris that she would have had to respond in the moment to, uh, what Pence said, but it seems so obvious to me. There's been so much discussion of the fact that it wasn't just an outdoor event. Yeah. Well, the White House had this crazy, what, what in retrospect seems a crazy strategy they apparently had faith in, which is if you test everybody, you don't need masks. So I assume everybody at the indoor event had passed a, Fast COVID test. Maybe. Which is not the thorough CPR, whatever you call it. Uh, PCR. Uh, PCR. Polymerase chain reaction. Right. How many people do you know who know what PCR stands for, Mickey? Uh, how many people that I know know why the man who invented PCR uh, invented PCR? How many people know that he was a surfer dude who took a lot of acid? And who chased Emily Yaffe around the table. Okay, so you win. He, he, he didn't do that, but he, he definitely came on to Emily Yaffe. He did it because he, there was a, some sort of hot lab partner who we thought he could. 
I uh, surrender. You yeah, win. You with, win. If he if he just invented this thing, so he invented this thing while he was driving a car. He thought of it. So there. So, so far ahead of me. What was and his he name won again? The Nobel Prize. Yeah, I he did. He died. His name's going to come to me at some. point. Anyway, um, it, they they gave everybody the quick test that's yeah. not that accurate, which is a nine percent failure rate, and. They figured, well, if, if, once you pass this test, you're in the bubble. So that ignores the 9% failure rate and the possibility that, you know, people might skate past the test, but still have the disease enough to be shedding, um, or, or get it later. So, um, uh, it, it was not a foolproof system, but they did have some system that they thought would work for them mm-hmm. that conveniently let them avoid wearing masks. So it's not like they were being totally irresponsible. They were just being. Has the White uh, House asserted delusional. that they have they asserted that they did give these tests to everyone who was there? I, I assume that they've been inept about it, but people have described how when I first arrived, they made me take the test, and I had to wait in a room. Well, now, maybe they, waiting in waiting in a room, they gave it to everybody. But um, I don't think know. Pence mentioned that, and that's malpractice if they did it and he didn't mention it. That's a major lapse. I think he maybe he, maybe he mentioned it during the debate. You think? I think so. I don't hold me to it. Mickey, we have a piece of email I'd like to share with you. Last we spent week, a lot of time on the debates. Last have, week on, yeah. Go ahead. Last week on the podcast, you asserted that the Proud Boys is not a white nationalist group. I'd like to just read an email we got. It says it, it you, you conceded that, uh, the, the founder, uh, whatever his name is had, had, uh, had said, had said, yes, had said very anti-Semitic things, and you conceded some other things. But anyway, you said <clears throat> they don't qualify as white nationalists. Here's the, the email says, in 2002, for instance, when a New York press reporter asked McGinnis what he thought about neighbors in New York's Williamsburg neighborhood, he responded, well, at least they're not inwards or Puerto Ricans. At least they're white. Hmm. Uh, and then well, while... Pre- the- Presenting his observation, I guess later he claimed that was a joke. Uh, and, uh, he, he yeah. Is he is the sort of guy who would make that joke. Okay, but he joke. seems to have meant its underlying sentiment seriously. He told, a year later, he told the New York Times, I love being white and I think it's something to be very proud of, which isn't necessarily That's doesn't different. by itself. That's white identity politics. Yeah. Uh, See, and the, okay, I, but here we go. I don't want our culture diluted. We need to close the borders now. Let everyone right, assimilate right, to Western right, right, right. white English speaking right, right, way right. of life. That sounds pretty. That sounds like you're getting to white nationalists there. Well, it, it's it makes you realize that there are various gradations of of, of white nationalism. Mean, what what the Proud Boys say is we're Western supremacists. We want everybody to assimilate to a Western culture. Uh, now, and that's what they say in their documents, and they have. So the, the the official ideology of the Proud Boys is we like all races, all races are welcome here. It's just they should assimilate to a Western culture, okay? And, and I suppose Gavin McGinnis in his, uh, you know, in his private conversations when he pill- really is pissed off says white culture, okay? I don't think it's necessarily a white culture. It's sort of, uh, you could argue that it's a, Either it's a narrower than that, it's an Anglo-Saxon culture, or you could argue that it's broader than that. It, it's an American culture that incorporates all the elements that have been here for a while, including African-Americans. Uh, so, but 
there's that, and then there's so there's the question of, you know, the Ku Klux Klan is 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 something more than that. They are, we don't want people of other races here at all, even if they do assimilate to a common culture. And then you could argue that uh, uh, we want a common culture, but it doesn't have to be an Anglo-Saxon culture. It can be okay. some other culture. And then you can argue we don't want a common culture at all. We celebrate diversity and multiplicity of cultures. Okay, so there's like a whole spectrum of of possibilities. Okay. Okay. And you want you where where at what point do you say uh, somebody's a white nationalist if they want everybody to assimilate to Anglo-Saxon culture? If you explicitly say white culture, as I think Jared Taylor does, I'm with you. Then it's obviously some sort of white. So something. you're still contending that even after hearing these things that McKenna said, that well, he does not well, qualify it, by it, your where you would given where you would draw the line on the spectrum, he does not qualify as white nationalist. Well, keep in mind the white supremacists of the Klan would go go even further and say blacks are inferior and we're allowed to. Well, yeah, but give them so so. There's a whole spectrum of there, of there are there are degrees the, of badness yeah. he does not qualify yeah. as. I think and we the, agree, but is but it, I'm just, is it white nationalist to say you want everybody to assimilate to an Anglo-Saxon culture? It's I, I would say it's a stretch to say it's white nationalist. It's some it's some kind of okay. it's some kind of something, uh, and then he had uh, you know if you explicitly say it's if you explicitly say it's white culture, is that white nationalism? Because you you don't want to keep other races out; you just want them to assimilate. So it's it's just a question of what you call what, and it's it actually is makes more sense to call it white supremacist because if if you want it to be a white culture, then the white culture is well, supreme over other races. Well, it easily uh, qualifies for white supremacism as that term is being used now, that, but it's being used much more broadly well, every, than it was every, thirty I mean, four years is, ago. You know, um, Everything is white supremacism, according to okay. uh, critical race theory. Um, well, I think we've ensured that that I, you, we will get more emails on the subject, and that was my goal. Okay, good. Um, the uh, the other the other thing, of course, is uh, that a lot of these people are defensive. In other words, they don't want everybody to assimilate to Anglo-Saxon culture or white culture. They just want to preserve the little enclave of Anglo-Saxon culture that they think is under assault. So I think that is less toxic than, uh, I don't know, it seems less toxic, maybe it's not less toxic. That seems different than, say, we want to impose it on everybody. But okay. they're still, they're a multiracial organization. They want everybody to assimilate to a culture. If you're going to assimilate to a culture, it has to be one culture or another, right? You only have one. Well, but you don't even so have to characterize it as white. They you, want you, that culture to but be. But you don't have you to characterize. Not, you should a not characterize. You should not characterize it as white. It's offensive well, he, to characterize. He it did as white. characterize it as well, white. Well, that was offensive when he said it. I, I'm. Uh, I agree with that. He said we need to close the borders Unless now you, and let everyone assimilate to a Western white English-speaking way of life. He didn't have to throw in white. I agree. I didn't realize that the white was in that quote. I thought white was in the other quote. It was also but, in the other quote. Uh, he, he, um, uh, let me ask you. said that. That's wrong. Uh, good. But it, it doesn't uh, although, necessarily... although that may mean we don't get as many emails as I'd hoped. But here's a question. The Nobel Prize winning surfer, is it Carrie Mullen or Carrie Mullis? Is that it? Yes. I think that's right. Mullis or Mullen? 
Oh, he may just be a, that may just be the name of a really good surfer. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not conversant enough in surfing for me to have come up with that name. There's, is it, is it, is it, is it him or Watson that used to cruise bars with his Nobel Prize hanging around his neck? They said that was for Watson. You know, Watson, uh, the reason I know that PCR stands for Polymerase Chain Reaction is that I did this epic <clears throat> New Republic cover story on James Watson. And I interviewed him and everything. And I have to say, I mean, I didn't mean to end his tenure as head of the Human uh, Genome Project, but I, that piece could have played a role. It was, I mean, it, <laughs> the, I think Rick Hertzberg was the editor then, and uh, and it was the, the cover was a big picture of him, and the headline was with a question mark after it, a question mark, mad scientist. Um, and and you know, years after that, apparently, I was told. That Watson was so pissed off about that that he referred to me. This is years, years, years and years later. Falsely, I might add, as a Princeton preppy. I am, I did not go to prep school, Mickey. I'll have you know. And James Watson falsely alleged as much. He just, he was just, just as Bill Gates when he said that Epstein had a, had a, interesting lifestyle was only referring to the decor in his house, Bob. I'm sure he was only referring to your mode of dress, which is reasonably preppy. I was afraid we wouldn't get to Epstein. Um, we have to inject Epstein somewhere. Maybe in the parrot room. But I, but is there anything else to say about Epstein? We shouldn't falsely promise things in the, the parrot room the that Ep won't be there. The, the only Epstein news that I have... <clears throat> at the, it, at the moment is um uh there is others coming down the pike is that the 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 prosecutor's office in New York does have all the relevant evidence including the blackmail tapes and they went to court this past week and said their investigation was ongoing so they claim to have not given up uh why we haven't seen anything i don't know how hard could it be to prove but I assume it will all come out in the Maxwell trial or the negotiations, whatever it is that's going on now. Part of the negotiations for her part will be try to, to try to hush it all up, of course. Um, anyway, so that was the only news. So um, quickly, uh, one comment or complaints. I didn't come back to the question last week as to whether or not I thought the extremist left is the current primary source of violence. I don't think that's quite how you put the question. Anyway, I promise to think about it more and come back to it. The um uh, on the on the very controversial question of which of us uh, interrupts the other more talks more. Apparently, I am the culprit. That that seems to be almost a matter of consensus even among people who who think of me uh favorably. So, for example, it depends what it depends entirely what drugs are on. Yeah, I could use some. I I I'm feeling <laughs> I'm feeling like uh, really semi comatose. I mean, I'm I'm feeling like Trump will feel after they take away the steroids. I, but but go ahead, finish your thoughts. Sorry, I interrupted. No, I don't. It's just uh, I was going to read a, a comment to this effect. But oh, here's one I don't understand. Somebody said on YouTube, one of the YouTube commentators said or commenter said, when I watch this, meaning our conversations, I pretend I'm a Gen X who came of age in the Bush one era. And that got like a lot of likes. That really resonated. What the hell does that mean? Read it again. 
When I watch this, I pretend I'm a Gen X who came of age in the Bush one era. Now, that may be that they're saying that somebody who fits that description would have no idea of almost anything we're talking about. I think that's what they're saying. Like, they don't know Ted Baxter. Correct. They don't know Carrie Mullis. They don't know James Watson. Uh, I think that's right. They don't know Ronald Reagan. But do they, they do know Bill Clinton. Bush Barely. Barely. So, kind of. that's my frame of reference. They don't know the Vietnam War. Yeah. Um, I guess know. that's what it means. I don't know. There's so many things I don't, so many references I don't get but they, these days. He, he, he means it, but they, res- they respect us for our age and wisdom. And, and they, they view it as a learning experience. To, to learn all sorts of things that as Gen X people who grew up on Bush One don't realize and to, and to fill out their worldview. So it's said with love, obviously. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a form of appreciation. And I thank, I thank this person whose name is. I'm so upset that I interrupted you and you lost your train of thought. This like completely disproves my argument. What argument? That I don't, that I don't interrupt you. Which train of thought did I lose? See, that's how, I mean, this is like double Biden. You, were, you lose your train of thought and you don't remember losing your train of thought. You were talking about, you were talking about me interrupting and you said the real point is and, and, uh, and I interrupted you. That's one of my worst habits. The real point, the real point. Eh, I That's don't think like, there is a real point. Um, I have, I, a, I, I, I have, I have a, I have a paradigm anecdote about that that relates to this. That we're going to save for the paradigm? Yes. Oh boy. By the way, we want to thank people, right? Because we did pass the 500 patrons level. We yes. cleared it by thank several you. patrons. But I, it involves like obscure New Republic writers and that's for the paradigm. I'm totally in for that. I've got a bunch of so. subjects that, that pat- parrot room patrons, well, patrons who you may find in the parrot room, uh, watching Although, those conversations have suggested. And I'll tell you, it's going to get crazy in the parrot room today. I am, I am very proud that I got the parrot saying fuck. In the regular broadcast, I gotta say our standards so I think, have. I think we're we're moving away. The, yeah. Imagine what the paradigm is like if that's the regular. Yeah. Show. Yeah. It's like no fuck is like darn like the parrot room is to this as hey, fuck is the darn. We that's have, it. We have Dana Bash using the word shit show on national. I saw television. that. I saw that. So we have, we have to. Run there. Well, I mean, it's all, it right really is. You're seeing, you're seeing like, you're hearing fuck on like, you know, major platforms that get supported by major advertisers. However, this is a good opportunity to point out that Blogging Heads has been moving away from some time to its once, uh, uh, its former funding model of, uh, getting some support from like, uh, mainstream philanthropic foundations. And, uh, moving toward a crowdfunding model where we, we ask for the support, uh, for people who appreciate what we do, Mickey. Cause I, I, I'm not saying that you have doomed any chances of further institutional philanthropic support, but it, it, it just, <laughs> it, it's drying up of its own accord for reasons. I attract grand money like, 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 like Pence's hair attracts flies. There you go. And congratulations um, on that. Man, I thought I couldn't believe it. I, I like I thought, is that a fly? And I went up there. And it was like it just stayed there forever. It was like, is it I'm, stuck? Is, does he use Brill cream? What is going on? 
I'm the world's worst reporter. I miss everything like that. I miss the fly. I miss Gore muttering under his breath in the first debate against Bush. I'm, I would go to events when I was like at Newsweek and, and, and the photographer, the other reporters would say, do you see what Dukakis just did? He just totally dissed Glenn. I'd say, no, I didn't see anything at all. You know? So I missed the fly. That's what Twitter is for. Fly. That's what Twitter is for. Did not see the fly. You just read your Twitter and you'll know everything. The fly's fame lasted almost exactly 15 minutes. It was bizarre. You thought it, would, after, you thought after it had legs? Minutes, after 15 minutes, Dave Weig was saying, enough about the fly. Fuck the fly. Well, he's, he's a voice of uh, considerable influence on Twitter. And rightly. He's pretty amazing. He's totally amazing. I don't quite understand how he does uh, it. Yeah, with some of these people, you wonder, do they have a staff coming up with these tweets? I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm just asking. You know, especially I, some of these cable TV people, you know, where it's like, how do they put on all these shows and do all these tweets? You just wonder. I I think he just has an incredible work ethic. I Yeah, I think he's incredible. Yeah, yeah. He's focused. He's efficient. And uh, my hat's off to people like that. I've never been one. Um, um, so we should probably go, right? Yes, I think we should go. But we should do the standard. We've done an hour, right? It's been an hour, right? Oh, oh, it's more, more, it's so, uh, an hour and 14 or something. So, yeah. Um, okay. so it's on to the parrot room. First, we should encourage people on YouTube to click like if they did like us, not if they don't. Don't do anything you don't mean. Um, and, uh, rate and review us. That helps. And, uh, you could go so far as to become a patron, but, you know, whatever, whatever befits your, level of support and yeah. so I mean, on. If I can interrupt you in this format, why can't Trump interrupt Biden? Uh, Excellent in a question. Format. Excellent so, question. Because I, I, I really, I, I don't think you do it quite as persistently as Trump did it with Biden. Not quite. We tried to talk over him. Anyway. We just tried to rattle him. Is it true that Chris Christie said, do this to make him stutter? Josh Barrow claimed that that was an apocryphal bit uh, of gossip. It sounds it's a so little insane. too good to be true, yeah. It's, it's yeah. Although God did uh, strike uh, Chris Christie down uh, with, with COVID, so. He did, and, but, I mean, I could see, I could see where it would provoke a senior moment, but right. stuttering isn't going to turn, stuttering just makes Christie, Christie look like an asshole. Well, and it makes it, Biden a certain amount of it makes Biden look sympathetic. Remember, his right, alibi so, for what are called gaffes in senior moments has been right. that he's a stutter, so stuttering is good. Right. So, so it, it makes no sense. It no, just it makes, doesn't. It, it, it just makes Christie look mean to recommend it. What makes total sense is that, as you said, it was a strategy for discombobulating him so that he would forget what he's saying and have senior seeming moments. Right. Yeah. Which is what I know you try to do with me, but so far with. Well, actually, with considerable success, but I'm not running for office, so it doesn't really matter. Um, so we will um, – if you thought that what that parrot said was r- <laughs> funny, <laughs> wait till you see where we're headed next. So, Bob, I just want to do, th- do this with you one more time to break your heart. Uh, okay. Oh, that's an allusion to something that I'm not so old I had forgotten that you That's said. what the parrot said. Right. That's what Cunningham said. Cunningham's mistress said. Yeah. Never mind. Maybe you could, maybe the parrot could do the complete definitive reading of all of Cunningham's tweets or, 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 or 
texts. That was definitely the highlight. Okay, then we've done that. Okay, so we will see you here uh, on the podcast next week. By the way, only three more of these before America decides. I know. It's fate. This is only I feel I'm not better. doing my part. Well, you're not. If Trump you ever should... actually enunciated the populist themes he ran on, I would feel like, hey, I got to do everything I can to get this guy reelected. But and somehow, yet he has proven himself to be uh, not only incapable of doing that, but an existential threat. And still, you have not turned against him. I don't. Well, I think the existential threats go on both sides. But as you know, but um, the the idea that uh, um, you know, I am lapsing back into like a a, a, a bemused using that word incorrectly becoming a bemused observer as opposed to a participant. That's a sign is, of... Which that's a, troubles me. That is a sign me. of spiritual growth, Mickey. Uh, I used to be a bemused participant when all sorts of things were happening, like the Vietnam War and Dukakis Bush and et cetera, et cetera, but uh, I stopped being bemused. Well, well, the stakes seem a lot higher th- than the stakes seemed with Dukakis Bush now. So you uh, have... Less of, less of an excuse for bemusement. Uh, but I agree. Okay. So we'll see you again and again in various places. Yep. Okay.